0: Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome back to Optimus the Vaccine. I'm Steve, and uh, joining me today uh, got Adam Myros.
1: Uh, hello,
0: Steve. Hello, uh, man. I...
1: Is, uh, I'm glad to be here for Jack's triumphant return from Ireland.
0: Oh yeah. Where he uh promptly got sick. Do you think? I, I mean, because you know Jack is he's been pretty adamant that COVID's not real. So, uh, do you think he's kind of changed his tune? Well, I thought it was blight. Uh, that could be it. Yeah. What what are the what are the symptoms of blight? Has anyone googled that recently? What uh,
1: absence I mean, be... of potatoes. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, I got. I could. It could be malnourishment. What was he eating out there? Do we know? I'm not sure. Well, it's Ireland. I mean,
1: I, I have a guess or two, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's potatoes something- and potatoes and potatoes, and that's really all I know. You know, I, I'm guessing there was some potatoes involved. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely has to be blight related. Uh, Could also- we, what is it? A haggis? That's the same thing, right? That's Again, Scotland. I, the, the, <laughs> the optimism vaccine tenant, Steve. Scotland is Ireland. Yeah, is Scotland England. is Ireland is England. Yeah, it's it all was the same. haggis. <laughs> Yeah, Irish
0: people really like when you lump them in with the United Kingdom, I've heard. Oh, and also is Boston. That's also the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Ireland West. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also joining us, we don't have Jack because he's deathly ill, uh, but we do have a a twofer. We've got Jake Trapila and his son Dalton. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, we're 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 breaking records. Youngest baby on a podcast ever. We just looked it up. The youngest podcaster is seventeen. <laughs>
1: Bullshit. Yeah,
2: yeah. Apparently, uh, seventeen years old is the current record. Um, by my count, Dalton is uh four months and eleven days. That's, That's the right. time of this recording. So uh, we kicked that record's ass.
1: Yeah, Guinness. I tell you, this seventeen-year-old thing is is some PR horse shit. I, I yeah. it, you're telling me there's not some like idiot parent who has like a precocious six-year-old with a podcast? Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this this kid's just got rich parents with a PR team. That's all.
2: Exactly. Yeah, they got tax out the wazoo. It's they got the works. We're we're just a couple of humble guys talking about humble things.
0: Mm-hmm. on this kid it's <laughs> let's take a couple of minutes to just stop and talk shit about a 17 year old this kid like when you google you know youngest podcaster and this kid comes up it's like oh they're you know they're the youngest nationally syndicated podcaster what what does that even mean we're internationally syndicated like what that's we get, true we got we got there's people in norway listening to this right now just nodding their head and they're like yeah i fucking hate 17 year olds that's what they're saying right now but you know in norwegian or whatever so uh yeah i i don't know what this is about but this kid's got he's he's got an seo team uh he's got clearly a pr team there's this is a bunch of bullshit
1: so uh, she following she's got that, all those like,
0: things yeah she sorry yeah. sorry my
1: mistake anyway oh, she's following that uh like star trek the next generation model you're just never sure when the next episode's going to air but uh and it could be on any network you know that's the magic <laughs> of syndication
0: it truly is it truly is
1: uh, it's probably on UPN at this point, I'd imagine.
0: Star Trek The Next Generation. You got to get that Pluto TV, man. You can just turn it on anytime you want.
2: Yeah. More more paramount. Plus, has every single Star Trek thing that's ever been created.
1: Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to subscribe to that. Uh, what about Hercules' The Legendary Journeys? Oh, yeah. Kevin Sorbo. There's there's a great guy.
0: <laughs> when are we going to do some Kevin Sorbo movies on the podcast, Marcos? We're just going to have a syndication special. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm upset with Jack for being deathly ill. Uh, not because we don't love you, Jake, but because we had to record on Monday instead of Sunday. So uh, I'm missing the new episode of The Bachelorette, which is a major blow for me. But uh, you know, I'll try. I'll try and power through it. I take it you guys aren't watching, are you?
1: You're one of these people now. <laughs> what if I told you? I've always been one of these people, Myros. I don't believe you. I lived with you in an era where The Bachelor was certainly airing, and uh, you were not one of those people. (laughs) It's, It's good this season because there's two bachelorettes
0: instead of one, and one of them is kind of like a totally fine, innocuous, plain blonde woman who's completely inoffensive, but the other one is kind of a goofball lady who talks like Jennifer Tilly, so everyone wants to sleep with her, and then the blonde woman just cries the whole time. It's great. What more uh, can you yeah, ask for like, out of your television?
1: I, you know, uh, probably uh, the lack of artifice, Steve. I look for, <laughs> I look for the, the real, the real in reality, fake reality. Well, let me tell you about real shit. Let me tell you a little bit about Miss Cynthia Rothrock. Are You familiar with Cynthia Rothrock Myros? I, I am familiar. Uh, that's good because that's what our, our coverage about. of of Martial Law One and Two.
0: Yes, that's uh, correct. Yeah. Martial Law, her first. Uh, I think it was her first American film
1: that was released, if I'm not mistaken. It's it, no, it, it, That's I don't know. It's it's sticky. Yeah. It's the <laughs> DTV market. There were there were approximately like seven movies released at at what would seemingly be the exact same time. But uh, the argument could be made that Martial Law was the first.
0: Yeah, I think I think officially, when I was looking it up, uh, it, <laughs> the best quote that I saw was. It is allegedly her
2: first American movie.
0: <laughs> so yeah, allegedly that was her first. But, you know, prior to that, she she lived in Hong Kong and made seven films over the course of three years. And before that, uh, she was still the baddest woman on the planet because she was a world champion in forms and weapons uh, five times between 1981 and 1985, which if you're into martial arts, I guess that's a big fucking deal. And on top of that, these aren't uh, like segregated by men and women. They're open to fully open to both sexes. So she beat the shit out of a bunch of women, beat the shit out of a bunch of men uh, and was basically untouchable. This is like an unprecedented thing in martial arts. That's how good she was. And also, she's got seven black belts, which I don't know how you find the time to do that. When I was a kid, I was in karate for like, I don't know, six months
2: I barely got to yellow. How does she get to black seven times? Come on. Is this now, Is she have seven black belts in individual forms of martial arts or is she a seventh degree black belt in oh. something?
0: I'm so glad you asked. She's actually an eighth degree black belt in Tang Soo Do. She's a black belt in Taekwondo, a black belt in karate, mm. a black belt in Eagle Claw, a black belt in Wushu, a black belt in Northern Shaolin, and a black belt in Pai Lum Tao Kung Fu. Suck huh. on that.
2: I have one of those. I <laughs> am no, uh, a black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, it's been,
1: uh, yeah. it's been
2: 16 years since I've done anything with it, but you know.
0: Oh, I thought you were fucking, you really, you have a black belt in Taekwondo? Yeah. Holy oh, shit. Oh yeah. Why I did not you told for four us this years. before?
2: Well, you know, I, I've never had to throw down around you this guys. Is a, so. This is a fun fact.
0: This is it, if you yeah. had like a, a trading card, the Jake trading card would have this fun fact on the back.
1: That's a this, it seems like uh, the, why are you asking why he's never told us this This is, would be an insane thing for him to bring up a conversation <laughs> unless you're like in fifth grade <laughs> he's
2: ta- talking about the uh, world's youngest uh, sy- s- a- n- syndicated podcaster. Oh, hey, guys, by the way, I have a black belt in Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that makes sense. No, I just wish I would have known sooner. Like when you when you came to, to visit us in Milwaukee, uh, and you know, we were going around to different bars and stuff. I would I would have picked a fight with someone just so you could have kicked their ass for me.
2: Yeah. You know? Oh, no, no joke. I used to be able to do the JCVD side splits. No and, fucking uh, way. Yeah. I like I had to do it uh, suspended on two platforms that they gradually pulled apart. So I wasn't I was like, like, you know how he does the splits on the two trucks. So yeah. I was hanging over the floor doing the full split and I had to hold it there for the photo. If I find that photo, I'll share it. But I would it, love for you happened. to share that.
0: I yeah. think I, I don't. Yeah, you should find that and just tweet it out with no context. That's what I would do if I were you. Absolutely. Listen, if you want to become the next 17 year old podcasting sensation, we need a photo of you doing the splits in a like a karate outfit or whatever. (laughs) This is amazing. See, I will get my mom on this this right now. (laughs) Yeah. Get get your mom on it. I know she's listening. Just we got to get this photo. This is very important. Anyways, Cynthia Rothrock, who is uh, uh, she's a badass because she's seven times more badass than Jake is, uh, unfortunately for Jake. But she's a million times more badass than the rest of us. Uh, She ended up uh, going to Hong Kong to make some films. And one of the first films, actually the first film she made, was called Yes, Madam. And this is kind of a fun movie because it is a convergence of two very unique styles. So it's directed by Corey Yoon, who is known for uh, making some very... Hard-hitting action films that also have extremely bleak and dark endings. Uh, Yeah. Most of the characters in his movies are usually on a collision course with death, and there's no getting around that. But also, these were related to uh, Sam Oh Hung's film production company. And Sam Oh Hung, if you're not familiar with his work, he tends to favor the kind of like broad, silly... Slapsticky action comedy. So, if you have the specter of Sam Oh Hong hanging over you, but you're Corey Yoon, what kind of movie do you have? And you have um, this movie. <laughs> uh,
1: something. I you know when we covered Martial Law, I believe Jack referred to this movie as great. Uh, and in the context of that discussion, I believe we were we were complaining that neither of the Martial Law movies. Adequately showcased uh, Cynthia Rothrock. And he said, "Well, you got to see her Hong Kong stuff. Like, yes, Madame. If this movie is adequately showcasing Cynthia Rothrock, then I I'll eat my hat because I don't <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Frankly, well, it's like a Three Stooges movie where she shows up and has a couple of cool fights.
0: Yeah, I mean her fight scenes are incredible. <laughs> like if you just isolate yeah. those, make make a super cut. She's probably this is the other thing too. This is a Cynthia Rothrock movie. Like she is." Ostensibly an important part of it, but realistically, she—it feels like she's only in the movie for like twenty minutes, which is a shame. And this is probably—you know—the more Cynthia Rothrock we cover, the more we're going to come back to this common theme of if—if you're giving me Cynthia Rothrock, but not enough Cynthia Rothrock, that's going to be my primary complaint with your movie. Give me more.
1: Well, this is Michelle Yeoh as well. It's like yeah, them every time they're on screen, you're like, yes, please, yes, Madame. And and then instead it's like ninety percent fucking strepsil, aspirin, and panadol. Fucking hijinks. Listen, these are these are master thespians behind the hijinks. You know who Panadol is, don't you? I do not. I didn't. Oh, it's oh, it's, it's our good friend Choi Hark,
0: man. Yeah, our, our, our boy, our boy. Go back in the archives. Uh, yeah, th- what, are the, what are the best to ever do it? I can't believe that you would you would besmirch his character that way. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, let me say that right off the bat, Yes, Madame is immediately awesome. There's this uh, heist of an armored car that Michelle Yeoh gets involved in stopping, and it immediately introduces us to a world where basic physics are completely ignored for the sake of having great action. Whenever somebody is kicked or punched or shotgunned, uh, they're not just hit. They go fucking flying back and it like the people are crashing through windshields there's a lot of broken glass in this movie it's <laughs> it's really just such a, a killer opening but yeah there's a lot of a lot of this uh wacky stooges material with our our three uh, uh like thieves slash counterfeiters i guess is what they're running
1: yeah i don't it's, I yeah i uh you, you know i will say i'm probably going to come down a little harder than uh, i expected on these Corey yoon films but uh, one thing i I'm, I'm not going to criticize in either film by any stretch is the open the guy knows how to like get out the gate with these like just incredible action sequences that are, and you're like hell yeah i'm i'm in for the ride and then well things get a little muddy with the tone i'll say that in probably both of these films especially this one <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a little back and forth with that stuff because it is.
0: I mean, there's some straight up Looney Tune shit, uh, mm-hmm. most notably from Joy Hawk. Like he probably does the most Looney Tune stuff out of anyone. Uh, but but it is. It's it's kind of that weird slapsticky, super physical comedy juxtaposed with uh, Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh's just incredible stunt work and fight choreography on display. And then also the the tone of this movie, which I, I've kind of wrestled with both of these films on this, because a, aside from the goofy stuff, it, it really like I, I don't know what I'm supposed to think or feel when I'm watching this <laughs> because <laughs> you've got the goofy stuff, and then you you really you, you kind of empathize with these these criminals because they are they're just fucking buffoons, a, and then also on top of that you've got your your characters who are. Cops, but but and this is a common theme in the Corey Yoon film too. They sort of reject the, the superstructure of the police state that they are uh, you know uh, an important part of, but then they do it just to enact their own form of extreme justice. So it's just like I you know, I, I don't I don't really know where to land on any of this stuff or what, if anything, Corey Yoon is trying to communicate. Because this is I mean, this is something he does in in Yes Madam. And then he, he goes back to it again in writing wrongs. Uh, but, all that aside, I mean, shit. This movie, it, 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 if you want to laugh, there's some laughs. If you want to see some of the best fight choreography you've ever seen, it's fucking here. Because this is like real Hong Kong stuff. This is like hard-hitting, body-destroying stuff. And this is also a movie that kind of, I mean, it was Cynthia Rothrock's First film, but it really like launched her into stardom in Hong Kong, and got the attention of people like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like she could have been huge in America, and part of the reason why is because like the, these Hong Kong action movies, it looks like meticulously choreographed. Like oh, they practice this for months, but a lot of times with these Hong Kong productions, they would literally just show up on set and be like, okay, here's what we got, here's what we can do. Why don't we try a thing, basically? <laughs> and they would just do this shit. And Cynthia Rothrock has talked about how she wasn't wearing any padding when she was doing this, which is pretty common <laughs> if you film an action film like this anywhere else in the world. She didn't wear mm-hmm. any padding. And all the stunts that you see where are like, fuck, man, that must have been a dummy or that guy must not be alive. Like, there's a, a fight in the mansion at the end of the movie where a guy kind of falls over a banister and smashes through a bunch of glass. And it looks like his spine just snaps in half uh, on on this like water feature thing. And he really did that. Like that's there's that it's not a dummy. It's that guy's spine just being turned into dust. Cynthia Rothrock got kicked so hard in the head that she started like bleeding out of her ears. And then they they took her to the hospital. and The doctor was like, well, you've completely like demolished the inner part of your eardrum. Like it's just fucking cream corn at this point. Uh, So there's nothing I could really do. So then she just went back to work and finished the fucking scene for the day. Like just absolutely (laughs) insane shit. When you see these people and Rothrock has talked about it in numerous interviews, if you're watching yes, madam, and you're like, God damn, that looks like it hurt. That's because it definitely did.
1: These guys are beating the shit out of each other. Both of these movies have like some jackass, like 30 foot stage die. (laughs) It's like, Oh, we gotta have a flying leap from like three stories, (laughs) just like landing on someone else. It's like, and yeah, it is not. It's not faked. Jesus Christ! Sure,
0: sure. All right. So, Mario, I'm guessing like your 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 major complaint here is uh, just a little too zany for you.
1: But yeah, it is. But I mean. (laughs) that's fine, it's just, I guess you just have to know what you're getting in for, I don't uh, like, again, I just want to watch and I'm sure we'll get there, we're not done with Cynthia Rothrock, but uh, I just want to watch a movie where her name's on the cover and she's the fucking star of the movie and she's just (laughs) kicking everyone's ass and not a bunch of fucking goofballs detracting from from the excellent work she's doing.
0: That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, it, you know Well, I guess one thing to this film's credit is you'll notice in a lot of action movies, even some of the best B action movies from this period. A lot of times the issues are you've got these incredible fight scenes, but then you've got parts that just drag, drag and drag and drag. And I love Corey Yoon's approach because he never lets that happen. Uh, Sometimes it's to the detriment of the film overall. But no matter what you think of, yes, madam, you're not going to be bored. Because something is constantly flying in your face. I think in the first 20 minutes of this movie, it gets through what most films would cover in about three hours. It's just constant plot and action and, and new characters being thrown in your face. It's like, OK, there's these guys and they're criminals. And there's this other guy and he's a lawyer and he gets murdered by this hit man. And then there's a boss and then there's these two cops and then all of this stuff. And Rothrock doesn't even come into the film until, what, at least 30, 40 minutes in, maybe?
2: Oh, yeah, e- easily, much. yeah.
0: Yeah, so, uh, it's really, <laughs> this is a film that it, it moves at a breakneck pace, to, to say the least. You, you, you know what I think would have
1: helped me with this thing? And they, this is a heresy, to be sure, but uh, I, I could have done with a dubbed version, personally. The, the version oh, I wow. had... Was subbed and, and and quite poorly, and there's a lot. Like you said, this movie doesn't stop, and uh, the subtitles are just kind of sailing right by. And I'm like, what the fuck is even happening to this movie at the time? But, the subtitle
0: know. file that, that that we had was a little rough around the edges. I'm not it sure wasn't if this nice. one is, I don't know if this one's seen uh, you know a, a official release in the West or not, but uh, yeah, the subtitle track did need a little bit of work. But this is, I mean, this is absolute heresy. I, I think this is. This is a fucking op on Myros's part. He's trying to talk shit about Cynthia Rothrock, about Corey Yoon, about Hong Kong cinema, so that we lose Patreon subscribers, that we can't buy him a gun
1: with the money. Well, that's. Uh, it, there could be some ulterior motives, but I, I rest assured, I, I am not talking shit about any of the. Like, Rothrock and Yo are both fucking amazing in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. they're incredible. Yeah. The problem is just that they're. Uh, you know they're not there most of the time yeah i
2: I would yeah i would say you know you said he can open a movie really well he can also end a movie really well which is the same for both films we're talking this week because the last 10 15 minutes of this where it's just michelle Yeoh and cynthia rothrock against the world uh is incredible and like there's like people are vaulting up floors uh michelle Yeoh at one point she is hanging off of a a balcony, and she smashes through the glass partition to grab two guys and then pull them through the glass. One guy gets knocked down into a glass like fountain that's shaped like a staircase. Uh, The ending of this movie is really a a beautiful sight. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of of hijinks in the middle. But uh, a highlight for me that comes from that is there's this great little section... At Choi uh, Hawks, his character's apartment is like just rigged and booby trapped. And when this guy tries to kick his ass for screwing him over with his passport, he like leads him through this like fun little chase sequence through his <laughs> apartment where like the walls and the cages are flipping up and the drawers shoot out and there's a, a fire extinguisher. And at one point he has like a full sized dummy of himself with cartoonish TNT sticking out of the mouth. I mean, that's like one of the highlights for the movie
1: you know what what would i guess my problem with with these movies is a bit it can be encapsulated by this sequence you're describing because the sequence ends with the character being brutally fucking murdered yeah. <laughs> it's not That's like true. yeah it's not a slapstick murder either it's just like a whiplash like he's leading him on this bugs buddy chase and then in the end bugs bunny gets like fucking hung by a wire or something it's like, yeah. what the hell's happening here? yeah well
0: yeah and he, it's it's rough because yeah he gets he gets like shot and then instead of dying immediately but it's just like oh we're gonna drag this out for a little bit that his friend's gonna hold him and shout no and it's like yeah and and this is this is what the movie does it really it's it's constant whiplash uh sometimes i think it really pays off like the the sequence jake just mentioned is just a, it's a fucking joy to watch and then you've got this great bit too where <clears throat> it's uh it's you know Chekhov's gun here early on in the movie because uh Joy-Ox character is a, he's a he's a forgery guy he makes forgeries of weapons he makes fake passports things like that and he takes uh, uh, uh he gets like a bunch of guys show up because he sold them these like shitty forgery guns that don't work and so he takes those shitty forgery guns he mixes it up with a real gun puts them in a box shakes them around he's like look you can't tell the difference what does it matter and then later his buddy trying to like avenge him grabs the whole box of guns and then we've got this uh, kind of tense fun sequence where we don't know every time he pulls out a weapon we don't know if it's actually going to be a gun that can kill someone or if it's just gonna, you know, shoot a blank or whatever. So yeah. there there are little moments. Now there's also a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, I, you know, maybe maybe the slapstick wasn't I wasn't on the right wavelength for it at the time. But
1: yeah, when I mean, you get God that damn. like that finale is it is great where they they play with the guy. He finally finds the real one and, and guns the guy down. But wh- why is one of the two heavies like Groucho Marx? Or something? He's got, got like, the big what? fake
0: mustache.
1: <laughs> That's so good. I, I have no idea. This it, It's just a strange
0: movie. <laughs> well, and a lot of this too, it's, it's not like it, it is jarring, but by Hong Kong standards, it's kind of par. I mean, it's not par for the course, but it's like, this isn't the rarest thing in the world. Uh, it, Cause even if you, if you go back to some Shaw brothers stuff, there, there's a lot of this too, where it's this sure. odd oil and water mix. Of comedy and and like serious action, that sometimes it it you know comes together and other times it you know it separates, uh, and then just yeah, but just just the whole Samo hung influence over this, I think that's that's the real telling thing that you can always tell when he's around because you're gonna get something like this, uh, but yeah, I I don't know, I I'm more on the side of Jack on this one, COVID or no COVID, I I think this is a, a good movie, it's loads of fucking fun. <clears throat> uh, Cynthia Rothrock is not in it enough, but when she is on screen, it is just beautiful, fluid, incredible fight choreography uh, that you're really not going to see anywhere else. Just blows everything out of the fucking water. So,
2: yeah, I would say uh, also the, her, even though, yeah, she is as more limited than I thought she would be in this, she's still better represented here than in, in both martial law movies combined. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you had the choice between two of those or one of these, uh, one of these all the way.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the fence there. Martial Law 2, she had that one really fucked, I think two really goddamn incredible sequences. Uh, the only good things in that movie, really, but, uh, she, she has her moments in that as well, um... I don't know i I, i'm not gonna like disparage this movie entirely i had fun with it it's it's a fine watch it's just uh i don't know jack set me up with this oh you want to see a great movie watch yes Madame. i I, that's not how i would qualify it to any of our listeners here i would say if you want to watch uh uh curiosity uh kind of fun hong kong action movie that's that's very slight and incredibly tonally odd then sure check out yes Madame. but if uh If you want to watch a great movie, well, you know, maybe watch something Choi Hawk directed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If only would have
0: directed Cynthia Rothrock, then I mean, then the world would be perfect. Yeah, there's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Uh, She's she's acting in, too. She took some time off to teach martial arts for a while, but uh, she's back in the game. You, You can hire you can hire Cynthia. I think she's also doing some voiceover work. Uh, you know, you know the uh, the Cool Cat movies. Where <laughs> everything is terrible. Oh yes, thing? yeah. She plays <laughs> Cool Cat's mom. Oh,
2: so there uh, you go. A Little fun fact for you. It's always Anyways, a good turning point. Somebody in an pays
1: Rothrock. She she shouldn't be forced to do Cool Cat's mom. For God's <laughs> sake, be the mom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit, she got she got uh, inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame. I think. Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, inducted her, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy to me, because she was such a huge star during this three-year period in Hong Kong, like, just as big as you can pretty much get, and she had the attention of these big players like, uh, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff, and for a while, I think Stallone was allegedly developing a movie for her to star in, like, an action film that was going to be her big, like, Major American studio breakthrough, and it just never came to pass. And she just, you know, spent a solid decade making direct-to-video B movies, and just just never got there. And it it really is a shame because, I mean, she's great, obviously, at at the fight choreography, but also for someone with zero acting experience, she's got good screen presence. You know, I mean, in this movie, and, and keep in mind too, she hasn't acted before. And she, yes, Madam is her first movie. She's getting the shit kicked out of her, literally just getting kicked in the head every day. And she, they, rec- they, they record without sound, but they expect her to mouth things in uh, Cantonese. <laughs> like, how do you? I, I don't even know how she did it, but she does a bang up job here. And she only gets better, too, because by the time we get to 1986's Writing Wrongs which I think at this point is probably her third or fourth movie. Uh, it It's similar, like, you you can see the through line from the kind of weird action-comedy hybrid in Yes, Madam, but I think it's it's so much better, like, you know, just fleshed out and realized here. And Rothrock, it just seems so much more comfortable in, in who she is as an actress, which also kicks ass because not only does she have this presence of being a complete badass and is just kicking the shit out of people. But she really looks like, like a 1987 real estate agent. There's just like (laughs) this like haircut she's got going and just her general presence, like everything about her. It's, it's so unsuspecting. And then the moment she, she just moves, you're like, Oh God, she could, she could kill me just by looking at me. Uh, But yeah, writing wrongs, fucking incredible
1: uh yeah, okay okay we're we're setting that bar uh, <laughs> at an inappropriate place once again I might say but uh this is uh this is is maybe even a more bizarre movie i uh, holy shit this movie is strange and that that comes down to the ending, which is just, I don't know this movie has like major buddy cop energy you know it's like mm-hmm. one of those things where you're like oh these two people are on opposite sides. She's chasing down this vigilante, but in the end, they're going to get together and beat the bad guy. And then it's like, no, she's going to be killed with a drill. And, and then he's going to fall off a plane and die. I'm like, What the fuck is this? Yeah, so, and,
0: and this is, again, this is Corey Yoon. This is, alert. Is, is like darkness <laughs> and fatalism, because if you watch Yes Madam, same thing. You have this incredible fight down to the end, and then the cops show up, and you think it's going to be the standard action movie fare, which is where the cops go, you were right all along. You you didn't have to turn in your badge. You're back on the force. We're going to arrest these guys. Like, you think that's how it's going to go. And no, in this movie, in uh, Yes, Madam, it's like, no, the women get arrested, and then these three goofball goobers just, like, commit fucking murder. And then yeah. the movie just hard cuts to credits. You're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> just as dark and jarring of a whiplash ending as you could possibly get.
1: And you would think until you watch Riding Rogues, so then, <laughs> then you're like, yeah. "What the fuck?" Well, and here's where that gets interesting.
0: So the cut that you watched, and if if you are uh, you know following along at home, if you have. I think 88 Films put it out, and Vinegar Syndrome recently put it out. Uh, if, you, if you are watching that version, the default version that you get is the subtitled Hong Kong cut, okay? However, there's a Chinese version, and there's like a, 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 a version that was made for Taiwan and the Philippines, and then, then there's a version for America. And depending on which version you watch, you're going to get a different ending. So. The ending we watched, the, the director's original ending, is is the dark ending. Everybody dies. <laughs> good or bad, sure everything, do. everybody dies. And you're like, what the fuck? Now, if you watch one of the other cuts, uh, every everybody lives and it's a happy ending, except for the bad guy, he dies. So, Myros, if you want that ending, it's available to you. It was shot. It's just... You know the the Hong Kong version. Uh, it, let's just say it didn't test very well with international I, audiences. I, I, <laughs> That's I, I could they re-cut see it. that.
1: It's it, again. <laughs> it's not like I'm I'm clamoring for them to change the, the director's vision or something. But as someone who, who has a you know mainly Western palate and is raised that watching, you know Lethal Weapon and what have you, this is it feels insane to watch this. You're like, what the fucking hell is this ending like? I, I, it's just hard to process. I could see why any sort of like international distributor would be like, nope, nobody's going to go in for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like in, in the international
0: version, the other thing they do too is because this movie is all about how, um, basically this, this criminal is getting off because he's killing witnesses and just, you know, manipulating the whole Court process and there's this prosecutor who, bl- who believes in justice, so he's trying to get justice through you know alternative means. And it, one of the things that this this big bad does is he uh, has someone sent to like murder an entire family in a very gruesome fashion too. Like you just watch these people just like completely blasted in front of their crying children and yeah. In the international versions, they actually because it's kind of sudden. Like you just see this family, and then a guy shows up, and he's like "Heidi Ho," or they just blast the shit out of them.
1: Yeah.
0: And in the international version, they actually kind of like flesh out the story of and and give a little bit more time to this family, so that you get a little more comfortable with them. So it, it has a little more resonance. But fuck, I don't know. There's again really dark, bleak
1: shit in this. Yeah, I think it works better here. Really, the only one that that strikes me as insane. And doesn't really work into the plot at all is Brothrock's death. <laughs> like, like yeah, the vigilante gets his in the end, and you know, there's this whole poetic thing about how both of these men have committed murder and what, what defines the difference between them. And yeah, I, I think by the morality of the film that that our erstwhile protagonist, the vigilante, deserves his death, and mm-hmm. that's that that makes sense in the, in the at least the Western film language. As does the the again this movie has also a goofy element which is Rothrock's incompetent bumbling partner who uh, is also <laughs> savagely murdered and that that kind of is one of those second act things it's, it's going to motivate the hero right but um yeah that the Rothrock thing is the one that just is is almost unpalatable because she's uh, you know it's she's got the guy maybe he escapes mm-hmm. maybe something like that could happen but. He just fucking <laughs> kills her with his hand drill and it's like so goddamn brutal and out of nowhere that you're oh, yeah. like, Yeah, and this is
0: after again, like another amazing action sequence where she's inside of this airplane hangar and she's sort of like uh like <gasps> somersaulting and rolling over all these barrels and across all these things and like doing a great combination of uh weapon work and shooting people and then also just kicking the shit out of them, and you're like, Oh, goddamn, she's really gonna give it to this guy. <clears throat> and then Corey Hume, <laughs> because he, I think he's an asshole, he he does this great thing where she gets hit with the drill. And you think for a second, you're like, Oh man, he like nailed her in the, in the collarbone or the shoulder. And, and I bet her, you know, the prosecutor guy is going to show up and like pull the yep. drill out of her shoulder. And then we're going to, you know, finally defeat the bad guy. And, and then, and then the camera just sort of like pans over. You're like, Nope, that went straight through her larynx. She's dead.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> it's very like- obvious. It is like this, it's like a Michael Mann movie, except it's, it, again, it's just got this fucking goofy bullshit happening the whole time. It's, it's, it's hard to reconcile. It's like Michael Bay meets Michael Mann. Yeah, it's a, it's a double, when
0: you get the two Michaels in a room and you throw them into Hong Kong, you get Corey Yoon. There you go. <laughs> Michael Bay and Michael Mann.
2: <laughs> it's, really, it's really a powerful film because it kind of underlines the futility of justice like our our hero is this like up and coming prosecutor and he's a guy who he's like devoting his life to putting bad guys behind bars and the, the opening scene, which we need to really dive into because it's just <laughs> fucking crazy and great. Uh, his, his, <laughs> his mentor is this uh, this elder judge and uh, he's killed by this like a triple assassination plot that involves a sniper, uh, a guy with an accordion holding a revolver and then a getaway driver who's blasting an Uzi. Uh, this turns into a, a car chase, which goes through several alleys. More shit. Uh, it gets wrecked, and then it ends off of a bridge, like one of the an elevated bridge that's having a ship pass underneath it. And then the car with the assassins catches on fire and explodes. And after that, then we get the Terminator-esque murder of the families, where all the parents of like four families are shot through a screen door, and the children are just left screaming and crying inside this locked apartment. As they're blown up with a bomb. That's the opening of the film, and then
0: <laughs> literally, it's like, literally less than ten minutes, and all of that occurs.
2: Yeah, you and know? then the if our prosecutor's like, uh, "Yeah, I can't, I can't just go buy the books. I need to actually kill some of these guys if I want to get the go results." Go by the book because someone yeah. shot his
0: book with a fucking Uzi. He can't even read that's, it anymore.
1: Yeah, that's uh, true. He sure tries. The he tries law to has read, been he's like shredded. Reading, <laughs> he's reading through it the whole fucking movie. <laughs>
2: yeah, and so yeah, it's. A really like a grim ending, but I, I feel like th- this is the the best possible outcome for this kind of film. It's like, oh, oh no, yeah. this is not because he, he ends with him hanging off of an airplane like Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible film, and you think, oh, he's gonna kill the guy in the plane or cause it to wreck or blow up and he'll land safely. No, he falls from a great height, and just the last thing we see is just his bloody, lifeless body sitting just floating <laughs> away in the ocean. And yeah, that's the end of the movie.
0: Smash cut to credits. And the thing is, too, like, this is an amazing airplane sequence. I'm, no joke. Like, just watching him yeah. hanging off this airplane or getting dragged by the airplane. It just uh, top-tier stunt work. And when he falls into the ocean, if you were to be like, yeah, that guy actually died and they just left it in the movie, I'd be like, yeah, that's, this is some Twilight <laughs> Zone shit. Like, that guy's fucking dead. There's, there's no way, you know? And and again to to Jake's point, this movie has its really dark, cynical moments. But to its credit, it, it's it's kind of baked into the film's DNA. It's it's dark from the jump, essentially. And I do I do love the overly literal visual of this prosecutor with his fucking book of law that has bullets in it. He keeps trying to read it. He's like, ah, fuck! I don't know what to do. Guess I'll have to go kill some people. <laughs>
1: It's just—it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, we're painting this out to be like this really grim movie, and it is not. I mean, the no, content <laughs> is, but the tone is not at all. It's it's another kind of really energetic, really almost lighthearted feeling film. Like it, it zips along. It, it's the score is very goofy and energetic, and it's just—it's not dour. But, oh, it, it, no. but it is, if you look at it in, in the macro, you're like, what the fuck, this is the grimmest movie I've ever seen.
2: You just, I'm, I'm so sorry to backtrack this far, but you just brought, mentioned something that reminded me about, uh, yes, madam, that that movie is just pilfering snippets from John Carpenter's Halloween score throughout the whole movie. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? I didn't. It, oh yeah like it, like that that sting whenever the shape appears that mm, maybe Kong can throw it in or something that plays all throughout yes madam it, i was like having moments of cognitive dissonance as i was watching the film i'm like am i really hearing what i think i'm hearing and i investigated <laughs> yeah sure enough they just straight up stole parts of the halloween score and just threw it in willy-nilly that's incredible
0: <laughs> i fucking love hong kong cinema that's the best yeah (laughs) i mean it's not as good as a a couple weeks ago when the the filmmaker we were covering just stole the entire soundtrack from the third man but uh i mean stealing the sting from halloween that's pretty good (laughs)
1: uh very true this is uh i don't know i mean it's a very strange thing to watch but i think once you get into the headspace like if you were to sell this as a great movie I might not agree with you, but I'd be like, I get it. I see where you're coming from. Like, there's, this is, this is something very interesting and special. I think, uh, a far superior film to Yes, Madame, personally. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm on an island here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I prefer writing wrongs, but I love them both. Sure. No, I I think this is good shit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I might not be capable of saying that I love either of these. It's just too much dissonance for me. But uh I I certainly appreciate the hell out of this one. I think it's uh it's a lot there's a lot here. This is a, this is a meaty film. And um mm-hmm. again, not enough Rothrock, but uh so it goes.
0: Yeah. That's that's truly. I mean, there's there's one thing you can count on in these in these early Rothrock movies, not enough Rothrock. It's it's kind of depressing. Uh, early but, Rothrock mean, and
1: later probably I mean are there any yeah. well I guess we'll find out we're gonna get into your China O'Briens and your what have you's but uh, so far just fucking make her the star of a movie that's the mm-hmm. uh, uh, make her the star I wish she was again the, you watch her against her contemporaries in like American DTV action like why the fuck was Steven Seagal a bigger star than Cynthia Rothrock <laughs> or Chuck <laughs> Norris for god's sake these people yeah. are terrible
0: i I don't know, and and part of it with them, too is you know they they started in the American market, and American action films they can mimic Hong Kong action to a degree, but they're they're never quite there Hong kong action is is special, and especially during this period, and it's special for a lot of reasons that would make it illegal in in america uh, but <laughs> I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think the problem we're going to run into when we start covering Rothrock's American films where she's more prominently featured is she's not going to have some of the budget that she had with a movie like Writing Wrongs. And she's not going to have the freedom to really kick the shit out of people like she had in these films. And she's not going to have guys who will, you know, jump over banisters and crack their spine in half for her, uh, which is, uh, again, Something she was privileged to have in both of these movies. So yeah,
1: yeah, very true. And I'm I'm gonna guess that uh, we're gonna run into the martial law problem all over again. Uh with you know, a producer who won't trust her to carry a film and just throws in some bland white karate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then
0: or a guy that can't coordinate fights worth a good goddamn. Yeah, and that's she's, what you run she's
1: into. got a. She's
2: got a great intro though in a writing wrongs. She's like in an underground mahjong. Uh, tournament and which is also a sting operation that she's a part of and she like handcuffs four guys together with just one chair and one set of handcuffs it's pretty like a nifty little jackie chan-esque sequence mm. with well, yeah with very how true pulled off
1: very oh, true yeah. it's I great i think the slapstick and then, in this thing is executed much better for me i mean, it's just like integrates well it, it doesn't mm. drag on for so damn long, like old strepsel and whatnot. I was like, enough with these idiots, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, I mean, I, the other thing, too, is you, you can
0: really see in writing wrongs just how she's grown as an actress and, and how she's learned to kind of use her body and her facial expressions to compensate for the fact that they're you know recording without sound and she doesn't speak the language. Uh, and, and the Mahjong sequence is fantastic. Like, there's this just this shot when she's introduced where she's sitting at the table and she like scoops up a thing of tea and just sips from it. And immediately, you know, she's just the baddest fucking woman on the planet. And she, yeah. all she had to do was drink a cup of tea, which is, I mean, that's impressive. So
2: that uh, shot is awesome. Oh, yeah. Her intro, I was like, okay, I'm all in on whatever happens next.
0: <laughs> whatever happens next, it's good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. much it. Uh, But yeah, she is, she's fucking incredible in this movie. Um, She also has a really good fight scene later with Karen Shepard. And Mm -hmm. uh, we, we also get to watch because this movie, not only can you have this fun, stylish fight between her and Karen Shepard, but on top of that, uh, because the movie has to be so dark and cynical, like 10 seconds before Karen Shepard has the world's skinniest knife, which she promptly shoves into the throat of a child (laughs) <laughs> like on, on the boardwalk. Uh, but yeah, uh, her and Cynthia Rothrock really go at it. And I guess Karen Shepard didn't originally want to do this fight sequence because she thought that like getting her ass kicked by Cynthia Rothrock would be bad for her career, which is hilarious because it's like, God, who else would you want to kick your ass? Come on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but I'm, I'm glad she did it. Cause this is just, man, again across these movies doesn't matter like what the era is who the actors are where are you going to find fighting this good and the answer is you're not going to this is the the little bits that we get of cynthia rothrock are always just mind melting to me that no one can touch what she's capable of doing
1: yeah i guess and and again when you get into the american stuff i, I think van damme's probably as, as close as you get but um yeah i i prefer rothrock frankly yeah
0: also he's allegedly kind of a dick and i think rothrock is is known from i mean fans and people that have worked with her and everybody thinks she's lovely so there you go all right well well, i i mean if we take one thing away from this it's if you're listening to this podcast you need to watch more hong kong action films and you need to just experience more cynthia rothrock and hopefully we can provide some of that in your
1: life um, yeah, I say that to myself as well. That's 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 always the takeaway. A lot of times when I am like stumbling on anything Hong Kong, I'm like there's so much to appreciate in all of them and my issue is my big dumb American brain is is programmed to look at movies in a certain way and Hong Kong Hong Kong action does not speak the same language at all. And no. uh, you just got to accept it for what it is. If you can get into its headspace, it's going to mm-hmm. be the most rewarding thing you'll watch and uh even if you can't, it doesn't matter. You're still gonna be like, "Holy shit! Look at these cool fights." <laughs> hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Do you so- have?
2: I don't mean to. Don't mean to put you on the spot, Adam. Do you have a favorite Hong Kong actioner that comes to
1: mind? Ooh, offhand, I don't know. I mean, we we watch so many of those toe films, and yeah. obviously, uh, any Wu. But I, there's not like one in particular that stands out. But Again, I think Wu and, and toe both, uh, at least in their, like, most famous work, uh, certainly are, uh, Echo Western film a hell of a lot more than something like this does, or even Choi uh, Hawk, uh, Choi Hawk's stuff, there was some of it that I, I struggled to find accessible, stuff like, uh, Green Snake or something that you guys, uh, were a lot higher on than I was, but, uh, you know, I, I think... Really, in exploring a lot of these directors, or you know, having come in, obviously being familiar with Wu's work, um, I found that I love a great deal of them, especially uh, Toe's output. I, I, you could call any of them my favorite, pretty much. My God,
2: yeah, no, that's that's a fair assessment.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, well, and I think Johnny Toe is probably a good entry point too. You know, like if if you watch a Johnny Toe film. I mean, that's if, if with, with an American action film mindset, that's kind of a good gateway drug. Uh, or I, I think some of the older Jackie Chan stuff too is good. You know, project a, or uh, even the police story series, watching something like that. I think that's a good primer. Uh, but shit. Yeah. Even if you're not familiar, you want to dive in the deep end. Fine. Just start with these movies. There's, there's something, there's something to appreciate in all these. So uh, and, and now it's easier than ever, because Vinegar Syndrome just put out Writing um, Wrongs on Blu-ray, and I think 88 Films is putting it out, and they're, they're like a UK distributor, so you've yeah. got options, you got options. I, I don't think Yes, Madam is available in any Western formats that I'm familiar with.
2: Well, funny you mention that. A uh, Blu-ray release from Eureka Entertainment was announced just a few days ago. So, uh, coming this fall... because oh, they we'll heard,
0: be... they heard that we were doing this episode. Yeah, motherfuckers.
2: Exactly. We're transcending, transcending yet, yet again, but I think that's the real important thing to, uh, acknowledge, is that we have to celebrate the labels that do find and put out these films, because I, th- honestly, I think prior to Vinegar Syndrome, the best, uh, place to get a physical copy of Writing Wrongs was from a little site called Hong Kong Rescue, and, uh, good luck if you entertain that option... Yeah, our friend Jack
1: Eason has been ripping people off online for (laughs) fucking years. Hey, hey, don't
2: don't dox the company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how we fund our podcasting ventures. And Jack has gone into hiding because of the internet backlash, but he's actually Hong Kong Rescue. Don't tell anyone.
2: He he tried to flee to Ireland, but uh, his people didn't welcome him back because he owed them some uh, money or haggis or what have you. And uh, yeah, he uh, fled back to America and now here we are.
0: Uh, yeah, he, he got he got to he got to Ireland as soon as he walked into Dublin. There's a guy swinging haggis around his head, and he's like, "Where's my copy of of picking opera blues?"
2: <laughs> so I was wondering was, uh, which title you'd pick, and it was worth it.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was uh, just looking back. We we covered that uh, random Hong Kong pair of movies. Uh, that high risk movie with with uh, Jet Lee, I believe, was. That that's just, that's not like an important Hong Kong action film by any stretch, it's very much like a, a kind of dumb blockbuster that is super accessible, and that movie is a fucking blast like, that might be another easy entry point for a lot of people like, the, the, the thing with these movies that we're covering today are they're just so fucking sour like, it, it, you'll have fun with them but it just can be a little tricky because the tone is it's gonna... It's going to leave a mark. Yeah. It's it's like winning the lottery, but then
0: when they hand you the giant novelty check, someone comes and kicks you in the dick really hard. Uh, <laughs> shit. It's rewarding, but it stings a little. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, watch more Hong Kong action films. It's good
1: for you. Marius, what are you putting over this week? Uh, I actually did watch something, and it's very stupid, but it's actually uh, not bad. Um. Uh, those familiar with uh, Optimism Vaccine from the old head days probably know that uh, there's, there's like two nostalgia properties that they can usually hook me in with uh, those being uh, He-Man and the Ninja Turtles uh, everything else I, I can cast aside childish things but I will always be at least mildly curious about what the hell they're doing with those and uh, they just put out a uh, long, long shelved Ah, uh, Ninja Turtles uh, film on Netflix. Uh, it's it's an animated movie. It's called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, it is it's from a canceled series from a couple of years ago. Ah, uh, this is kind of the finale, as it were. But it's uh beautifully animated. It's a, a really stylish show and film. And yeah, it's worth checking out. Very very kinetic. It's yeah, simple watch probably 80 minutes long something like that and it's a lot of weird body horror in it for some reason it's 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 a strange tone for a children's property but uh i gotta say it's worth watching if you have any interest whatsoever it's a it's it's a fun way to spend uh, an hour and a half thereabouts.
2: Jay jake how about you what are
1: you putting over this week
2: yeah, I'm going to put over a show that is kind of uh, sweeping the Twitter nation, but seems to be silent in the O.V. waters. Uh, that would be one Nathan Fielder's The Rehearsal. Uh, I have not heard a peep out of you guys about it, but I'm going to go dude, Did say. someone this not listen yeah. to the
0: episode last week? What do you think I put over? Oh, shit.
2: I <laughs> yeah. must have been tending what to were my you own doing? son.
0: Were you driving 100 miles per hour in your Scion TC and then you crashed it?
2: That's a reference I, to I, uh, I apologize, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm also going to put over the rehearsal for reasons Steve may have already said last week. <laughs> I'm raising a kid, okay? Life's not easy right now.
1: Uh, let, let the audience recall that uh, Jake was on last week. He <laughs> 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 was here during yeah. the record. He was here, but like, was he, was he here? Okay, all right, was he all right, here? all right, all right I, I, I will change it.
2: I'm going to put over, I'm going to put over, there's this brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing that just dropped, and uh, oh, yeah. I think you guys should all check it out. Um, I'm glad someone's
0: putting it out. Nobody's putting that over. I can't believe no one's put that over yet, so thank yeah, you, Jake. No, uh, yeah, uh, very true. Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, God, I haven't watched, uh, oh, you know what? I got, I got something, speaking of Hong Changing Kong. Action diapers. Cinema. No, check out diapers. Uh, A Better Tomorrow 3, Love and Death in Saigon, the third part of uh, the John Woo's first two Better Tomorrow films, third one directed by his producer, Choi Take takes place in Vietnam. We get to learn uh, the rise in the early days of uh, Chow Yun-fat's character. He uh, meets a woman and falls in love and uh, is ultimately betrayed, but uh, it's, uh, it's not a film that's as probably as well-seen or acclaimed uh, as the other two, but uh, I gotta say, it's pretty good. So uh, Jake, check that out.
0: Jake, do you think we should cover that on the podcast?
2: Uh, you know what? I think a better Tomorrow Trilogy would be a great episode. If you, if you what add, if, don't what mind. If I,
0: what if I told you we already did? <laughs> you guys <laughs> did? Jesus
2: <Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> This is so great!
1: Oh, oh Jake! Jake, I
0: love you. If you're here right now, I'd fucking kiss you, and then I'd make you do the splits.
1: All right. You know, I'm glad. Uh, I'm just glad you guys are <laughs> keep reminding me to watch this rehearsal. Uh, I seemingly don't have access to HBO Max right now, but well, we'll address that because it needs to be watched. But fortunately, it looks like the first season is about to wrap. I'll just do it in one go, and yeah. uh, then uh, then I'll recommend it next episode.
0: The, the future of optimism vaccine is like 20 years from now. We're experiencing like the heat death of Earth, and we're all just in our fucking bunkers on respirators podcasting. And uh, Jake puts
1: over the sinful dwarf. He's like, I saw this movie for the first time. <laughs> uh, Steve, I, I have good news for you. Uh, Joe Biden yeah. just passed a sweeping uh, reform bill. Uh, environmental problems have been solved. So uh, we don't have oh. to worry about that heat death any longer. You know, when you, oh, when you oh, you just God. said
2: Joe Biden has just passed, I was really hoping your next <laughs> words were away.
1: Away. <laughs> oh, that's where I thought you were going. I was
0: like, fuck, Brandon's dead. What the oh. fuck?
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> no, oh, he's still kicking, and he's solving all of our problems day by Hell day. We yeah. just gotta be a little patient with the man, you Is know? he it kicking, takes
2: or is time. he just oh. kind of idly shuffling?
0: He's shuffling. He's shuffling. My boy's shuffling. I love it. Oh, my God. Damn, that was almost the the big breaking news, man. Well, not that this podcast could be out timely, but... <laughs> Now we're, I'm, we're, we're watching like goofball Republican meltdowns now. It's like, how do we get all Republicans to like tear up their blue lives matter flags and just like say, fuck the police and go like burn a police station down? And the answer is uh, send the FBI to Mar-a-Lago and all of a sudden they all hate cops. So we're getting there. Maybe that's the future of politics. <laughs> Anyways, I can't wait to buy you a gun, Myros. This week, I'm putting over uh, a little movie called Hard to Kill, starring my boy Steven Seagal. Are you familiar with his
1: work? Yeah, it's not very good.
0: <laughs> hard to Kill fucking rocks. Oh,
1: so I've here's never the seen Hard between... to Kill. I'm just talking about uh, Steven Seagal in general, you know? Yeah, well. It's a sack no, his, shit. Bat- <laughs> his batting average isn't good. <laughs> his,
0: his court average isn't good either. Jesus Christ. He's a horrible person, but. Uh, but a there's, great there's...
1: martial
0: artist. Well, I, he's fine. Um, interesting things about Steven Seagal. One, there was a period between 1988 and 1995 where he made about five or six movies that I would categorize as pretty darn good and entertaining. Two, one time around that same time period, he said because of his Aikido training, he could not be choked out. It was impossible because he could control his breathing. So one of his stuntmen co-star guys (laughs) said, you're full of shit and choked him out and Steven Seagal pooped his pants because he passed out he just pooped (laughs) his pants. So Steven Seagal shit his pants. Okay. Next thing. Cynthia Rothrock, legit badass, seems like a wonderful human being, could basically kill any of us just by looking at us. Steven Seagal, just an amazing pile of shit. However, where Cynthia Rothrock is just naturally the baddest woman on the planet, Steven Seagal is a person who stands in a scene, looks directly at the camera, and has to tell you over and over and over again that he is the baddest man on the planet, even though it's clear that he's not. <laughs> he's got a receding hairline. Every film, he gains 20 pounds. Um, he's got like a fucking weird like donut goatee now, but in Hard to Kill, you get this wonderful balance of Pretty rock solid action and uh, just uh, an amazing display of hubris from Mr. Seagal. Uh, This goes as far as like he's in a coma and he wakes up with the most ridiculous glue on coma beard I've ever seen. And right before he wakes up, the doctor like lifts up his sheet and he's like fully naked in a coma with this ridiculous beard thing. And she looks at his dick. She's like, "Mm, can't wait for you to wake up so I can get me a piece of that thing. (laughs) She's just like cock lusting after a patient. And then he does wake up after being in a coma for seven years, bangs the nurse like almost immediately. Okay, but previously he was in a coma because he got shot six times while his family was murdered. So like he wakes up, he doesn't really know too much about what's going on in his life. And he still has his wedding ring on and he's already like boning the shit out of this nurse uh additionally in order to recover he demands that the nurse go to chinatown buy him chinese herbs and then there's this incredible scene probably the best thing ever filmed where he sticks uh acupuncture needles into himself and then sticks incense on top of the acupuncture needles so he's just like smoking out of like needles in his body and uh yeah it's super cool so hard to kill it's on Tubi, watch
1: Steve, it, Steve. This is uh, this is just broken loose a memory of something I I'm quite certain we forgot to mention on uh, the classic episode about The Giver. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. in the screaming mad George Steve Wang joint, the uh, there is an early sequence where the the protagonist and his lady friend are training for, are they're they're in some sort of martial arts training, and that that is indeed, if you pay attention. They're training in the bullshit Steven Seagal martial art of uh, Aikido.
0: Aikido? Uh, yeah. I love Aikido. There's also in, in Yes Madam, there's an Aikido poster inside of uh, the Bumbling Goober's like uh, apartment. They've, they've, they've got an Aikido poster on the wall. They've got uh, what I think is about five or six uh, Iowa boom boxes. <laughs> and then they've got a big fish tank. That's all they own.
1: It's cool. good that Steven Seagal managed to entirely on his own discredit this, this martial art 100% by being like a, a fat slob while uh, standing on a karate mat while like yeah. 30 fit men pretend to try and punch him.
2: <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've seen a Hard to keto. Kill. I've seen Hard to Kill and I got a, I, it has two well-known Seagal quotes in it. I'll save one of them, but one of them I love is where he's he kills a guy by stabbing him to death with a pool, broken pool cue And he goes, this is for my wife. Fuck you and die.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That line is really good. Yeah. So fucking good. Uh, Yeah. Hard to kill rocks. Everybody should watch it. Uh, Seagal rules. Uh, I think it's cool that he pooped himself. I think, you know, that's like a good, you know, body positivity thing. Like you can shit yourself. No one will make fun of you. Uh, And then also keep in mind that he's also a musician. So, uh, Colin. I, I don't know what you, what you were thinking for the outro music, but maybe like <laughs> just throw in like a little clip of me of me want the punani by Steven Seagal. Is that that's the name of the song, right? Me want the punani. Is that? I, to uh, I, I
1: don't recall this song.
0: But, All right, uh, look, I'm googling Steven Seagal punani. Please hold.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, our uh, our promo video this week is just going to be that clip of him in the dojo and uh, this song playing. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah me want the punani it's so good it's on youtube colin will find it anyways uh speaking of punani if you want to give us some some money uh, uh that'd be cool you can do that because in the description of this podcast there's a link and that link will take you to our patreon page and uh believe it or not you can actually pay us a couple bucks to have these terrible opinions uh but on top of that if you pay us then you get to you get some cool stuff. If you donate at any level at all, I will send you a movie in the mail for my personal collection. Very exciting. Uh, also, if you donate at a higher tier level, you get to vote in fan polls and you get your name read out on the air. Bars, you got those names up?
1: Nope. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here watching uh, Steven Seagal fight Russian karate masters, and by fight I mean be old and stand there.
0: Is that is that the one where he just is like he's like? 350 pounds and he's just kind of like shuffling and that's half a good asleep
2: one. and
1: people just keep running into him and pretending that he's
2: he's, he's, he's kind of like waving away like there's a yep. loose fart or something <laughs> yeah. yeah that's exactly know, what's it's happening. weird cause like we know we know Segal wants
0: the punani but I, I wonder does he get it probably not I hope not
2: uh,
0: <laughs> I mean he's <laughs> he's got a couple of kids so he's gotten the punani a few times for the, sa- for the sake
2: of the punani I hope he does not get it ever again <laughs> for
1: the sake of the punani he's gonna go a keto on that punani Anyways, yeah. uh, uh yes yeah. here. <laughs> I, I could get us our patrons, Steve. Our our patrons are uh we have CWW, Evan, uh Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Oh
0: my god, Thank great, great you guys people. For, love you all. Great people donating at that middle tier. We love you. Also, uh, we have our, our Patreon subscriber poll that's going up for a future episode. Couple weeks, we're gonna do a an episode chosen by the subscribers. So uh Stay tuned for that poll coming your way, kids. Now, if you donate at the highest level, you could actually dictate yourself. There's no poll. There's no voting. There's no democracy. You simply tell us what you want, and we do an episode. If you want us to cover Steven Seagal's full reggae album, uh, the extended 12-inch dance remix of Me Want the Punani, we, we're there for it. We're there for the Punani, okay?
1: We're going to cover so, music? That seems yeah, kind of off-format. Listen, this
0: I'm 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 throwing out hypotheticals here. You know, maybe well, it's, maybe I, it's a little maybe it's a little punani and a little bit of uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> Under Siege Two from
1: 1996. Maybe there's a music video we could we could discuss.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the deep dive into Steven Seagal music videos. That that's what the world needs. All right, so uh, yeah. Also, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine. And we would love to hear from you. Think that about covers it all. Uh, Jake, you got the last word. I'm going to take you to the bank.
2: To the blood bank. Make me feel nice. Why? Tell me what you really want
1: all night. We want the bananas if I make me nice. Me love the way you walk sometimes. The way you talk is so hot. Now you know, let's have a shot to roam. Let me care make you come. With me to the ocean.
0: That would be fine. You can be my body.